0: Jutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organizational psychology. And welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Lightbulb Moments. Today I'm joined by Helen. Helen, tell us about yourself.
1: Hello, I'm Dr. Helen Wilno, and I am passionate about supporting organisations to facilitate an inclusive culture. On this episode... Does that help us explain how we're not seeing women in senior positions in quite the volume that we would like and at quite the pace that we would like as well. I
0: also feel that this is um, a point in time where I need to hang my head in shame and admit that I've never actually seen The Labyrinth, the movie.
1: Honestly, it makes my heart sing to work with people who are passionate about this. I'm not sure
0: I know what our origin story is.
1: No! <laughs> how do I know you? Yeah. <laughs> how do you know me? I
0: was like, I, I remember we had coffee, but, and then we talked about Disney and it was pre-COVID and then I, but I don't know what we were meeting about. So
1: I think that, um, so it was when i was um working at manchester met university in the business school and so the connection is via sarah sarah introduced us um because i've worked very closely with sarah for quite some time and she's she's a good friend she's absolutely lovely as you well know and um i think that we were preparing some work for the leading managing and developing people um mba senior leadership degree apprenticeship and I think I was talking to you about maybe potentially inputting into that Mm, yes I think it was something along those lines and oh no I know what it was Jennifer I think it was that as well but I think it was when Sarah was going on maternity leave
0: oh it was yes you're right you're absolutely right and
1: um so I'm I'm pretty sure we had a conversation about the MBA as well but Sarah was going on maternity leave and um I was covering some of her tutorials and she had connected us and said jennifer's great she usually comes and does a guest slot on it must have been an organizational psychology um elective module as one of our degree programs i think yeah. and um and we had coffee and we talked about that
0: i feel like we talked about disney and there's a theme
1: that we goes talked on about disney a lot yeah <laughs> whenever i think of you i think of disney I don't think that's a bad thing, right? That's no. A, I feel that's a good thing. And it's be, it's coming back to me now, Jennifer, and it's because you delivered that session and I think we were possibly two of the last people in Manchester we before were. lockdown.
0: It was the... It, I feel like it was the day that they locked... They, they made the decision to lock down. Is when yeah. the, And we were stood in a lecture theatre together. I was doing something about Crucial Conversations and um, we were there and we were like, are the students going to turn up? Are we going to? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So, yeah. Uh, we started so COVID we... together.
1: <laughs> we did. And the Disney connection is because you were planning to go to Disney. COVID hit. And that opportunity was scuppered for a number of years. But I understand you've been several times since, so all is well in the world again.
0: It's, it's fine. I made it. Don't worry. Mm. <laughs> um, so... Uh, well well, first of all, welcome to Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for, for saying yes. I'm very very much looking forward to the um the conversation that we're having today. Um I always let you tell us what it is that we're talking about. Um so what, what are we gonna have a chat about today?
1: Well, when you invited me to take part in this podcast, you said to me, I really wanna construct this podcast around light bulb moments that people have had. And when I thought about what one of those light bulb moments might be for me, the metaphor of the labyrinth immediately sprang to mind. So I've done a lot of work in relation to uh, leadership development pathways, particularly women's leadership development, um, and the labyrinth was something that immediately sprang to mind.
0: So tell us a bit more. Uh, what do you mean by a labyrinth?
1: So let's start with the glass ceiling, which you've probably heard of, very famous metaphor used to describe organization's failure to promote women into very top senior positions and that's a metaphor that's been around since roughly the 1980s Um, and it's I think it was first yeah 1980s I think it was first coined in the Wall Street Journal in the US of course Um, and it was a metaphor used to describe um, that invisible but artificial barrier that have kept women from those upper management and higher leadership positions. So, on a surface level, even when women seem ideal candidates, they're still held back. So this, there's this metaphor that you can call it, kind of see levels above you. You know, it's 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 glass, so you can see the levels above you, but you just can't break through that glass ceiling. So for, num- for so for a number of years, and and still today, that that metaphor is still prevalent to describe. Um, the failure of women um, and certainly not all women. We've had some incredible success stories over the past years, um, but in comparison to male counterparts, it's a metaphor used to, to describe that failure of women to reach those very senior positions compared to male counterparts. Um, and so it's a really powerful metaphor and it's still used today. And it's really important that we still talk about that. But, I came across some work by Professors Eagley and Carly in relation to the labyrinth. Again, quite some time ago now. This is around about 2007. And they wrote a a very famous article and book um, about the labyrinth in relation to women's career development and career progression. And what they kind of argued um, and said that while the glass ceiling has been useful to a certain extent, actually, can we talk about it? outliving its usefulness now Um, you know can we push that metaphor a bit further Um, and if we kind of expand that glass ceiling metaphor and that concept does that help us explain how we're not seeing women in senior positions in quite the volume that we would like and at quite the pace that we would like as well so they've come. They came up with this idea of a labyrinth image, which uh, they argue is more fitting in relation to organisations to help address those obstacles and barriers that women face in relation to their progression. And they talk about that labyrinth in various different ways um, in terms of its meaningful meaningfulness. So. Rather than just predicting and um, rather than just depicting one absolute barrier, one main barrier, which is what a glass ceiling tends to conjure up in that metaphor. A labyrinth talks about various different ways and various different career routes and various different times along a woman's career journey where they're turned away, where they face barriers, where they faced obstacles. So it's not just one barrier you face. It's not just you reach a certain position and then there's a barrier there are barriers all along the way to that career progression so it's not that you get to sort of a penultimate stage of a distinguished career and then you suddenly think oh here's a barrier what they were talking about was that there are barriers all along the way and that organi- to really deal with this issue and to really to support women in their leadership development organizations need to get better at thinking about career progression from start to finish and all the manifestations that that takes rather than reaching one level and then thinking about it, if that makes some sense.
0: Yeah, I um I would have thought that. So just as you were saying that I, I almost would have thought that it was less of an issue for women, because there are so many more women that are um, in work. And with the change in, I know, in my own situation, in terms of like primary caregiver, I would say my husband is probably a bit more of the primary caregiver than I am. There's a lot more shared parental responsibilities. Um, I guess I'm only looking at it through one lens, though. So is it is it something that is becoming more prevalent? Is it becoming less prevalent in terms of that labyrinth metaphor? Or, or do we just not know?
1: I think that obviously times are changing and the world has moved on quite rightly and thankfully that is the case. Um, I'm talking about very general patterns here um, because clearly people's individual circumstances is open to them and what is meaningful for their career. And so we have seen moves in um, in, in parental care, for example, in paternity leave, et cetera, et cetera, but nowhere near enough. Um, and still we are in a situation where we have a gender pay gap, for example, You know, particularly in certain industries, um, men still very heavily predominate, um, and so all the trends would suggest that although things are moving, arguably they're not moving quick enough. Mm. And so this idea of a labyrinth does not just um, relate to women's career development, but you could argue that it more so relates to women's career development.
0: Okay. Can you you talk about these barriers? And um, I am going to squirrel. Just slightly, Helen, um, because it's in my brain and I can't get it out. So the idea of a squirrel is, if you've ever seen the movie Up, it's where the dog sees a squirrel and it's like, "Oh, squirrel!" and it takes your mind away. Um, this is a completely off the topic. What's the difference between a labyrinth and a maze? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, arguably, you could say they're the same thing. I suppose the idea, the, the, I suppose the idea is that um, you know there are twists and turns along the way. There are sideways moves, there are backward, backwards moves. You can reach the centre of a maze or the labyrinth. So it is it is possible to get there, but there may be additional challenges and barriers along the way that some of which may be unexpected, some of which may be totally expected.
0: Okay, I appreciate that. I also feel that this is um, a point in time where I need to hang my head in shame and admit that I've never actually seen the labyrinth, the movie. Uh, I'm currently. I can't even tell you the the, the disappointment in um, producer Andy and producer Liam's uh, faces right now, and he's just throwing paper at me because he's disgusted. Um, so yeah, it, there. <laughs> um, uh, we uh, we digress, but let us let, let us carry on then. <laughs> um, so the idea of uh, you talk about these these like multiple barriers. Can you give me some examples of, in an organisation, what they could
1: look like? So if I take you one stage back, if that's OK, Jennifer, yeah. um, let's, let's think about um, different career pathways. So if I said to you, picture a construction worker, yeah. what does that look like to you? I'm picturing
0: producer Andy right now. OK. In a yellow hat. <laughs> You know, a, a, typically a, a white male, um, slightly overweight. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, producer Andy. I'm only kidding. You are perfectly formed in every every way. Bingo. Go on Helen, carry on. I would definitely picture a stereotype of a person for sure.
1: So um, the Fawcett Society, which is the UK's leading charity and does a load of fantastic work campaigning for gender equality and women's rights, Um, I've talked recently about construction and the built environment. So the construction and the built environment sector is one of the biggest employers in the UK and it's predominantly male. Apparently, women make up 15% of the total UK construction workforce. Wow. That's quite surprising, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I would have thought it would would have been more than that, but 15% of the total construction workforce. And clearly, we need to be doing more to reflect the communities that we serve. So the construction and the built environment sector – you know, want to do a lot more to inspire the next generation of female talent, to represent the communities that they serve, to design and deliver the needs of the building needs of of women in the future, women and girls in the future. So I highlight that because that's an example of an industry that is male dominated. And of course, it's not the only male dominated industry. And I ask you the question, what, do you picture when you imagine a construction worker? Because we do have those stereotypes. So, as you said, we 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 won't we won't digress and say and go back into what exactly you said, Jennifer. But um, you know, hard hat, high vis vest, stereotypically kind of male image comes to mind. Yeah. And, um, you know, we know that sort of at younger levels, um, women and girls see those stereotypes, they see those images, mm. and pick up messages that that may not be an appropriate career route for them. Yeah. So I highlight that because one of the challenges is to support girls and women to think about less traditional career pathways for them to get them into those industries, which. Also, tend to, not always, but often are more higher paying.
0: Yeah, have have these industries always been male dominated? Like, why do we understand the why behind why they're so male dominated, or or why there are other ones which are so female dominated?
1: Oft, often, they are. Um, I mean, I can't speak for every industry, but um, you know, often it's about overcoming those stereotypes and barriers because an industry has been particularly male-dominated. Conversely, industries and sectors that are predominantly female-dominated face the opposite problem, if that makes sense. Mm. So uh, traditionally caring um, sectors are, you'll see a lot of women working in those organisations. So if you think of nursing, for example, you know, that's another one that springs to mind. And teaching, um, I guess, as well. And, and, yeah, and, and teaching, um, etc. So those kind of um, caring professions, okay. predominantly female. And that's because of the association with caring.
0: So it sounds like there's a huge... Well, it sounds like part of the the problem at the root cause is those stere- like stereotypes that we've created, the societal stereotypes that we've created. Is this just a... Is it just a UK problem or is it a global problem?
1: no it's it's not it's not just exclusive to the uk it's a global global problem as well i mean obviously different areas of the globe will have certain um particular issues relevant to them and their sectors and their industries but if we look at sort of general patterns it's 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 more of a problem um across the globe um and lots of sectors and lots of businesses have done an awful lot of work to challenge those stereotypes you know there is a there is an awful lot of great work going on out there um, but we could do more and more needs to be done. Mm.
0: It, um, it, when you were talking about barriers and about stereotypes, it got me thinking about, um, cause so I have Harriet who's nine years old and she's, we've always talked about these kinds of things, even down to like clothes and mm-hmm. the impact that clothes have on your ability to do sports and, and also school shoes. So we were talking about, does the way that girls' school shoes are structured mean that they are less likely to do sports at playtimes and break times, which is contributing to the fact that there are less women in sport? Because little girls wear these tiny little pretty ballet shoes, whereas boys wear sturdy shoes that they can run around and kick footballs with. And so almost just at that very very young level we're starting to see things that are are almost putting the the different genders into roles that they might not want to be in based on something as simple as as clothes and and the way that we we create children's clothes
1: it certainly could be a factor um Uh, absolutely um you know that ability to have that freedom to um you know to play at at break time and at lunchtime, um and arguably the way in which you're dressed can have an impact on that um and you know the expectations of of uh, where you're allowed to play and who you're allowed to play with um it can all impact on that
0: yeah and I guess then that has that knock on knock on impact as you as you go through life um, in, in terms of, like, organisations, because we're saying we know this is a problem, and we're saying some organisations are doing things about it, what, if somebody's listening now and they're in a leadership position, or they're in some sort of position where they can influence a change, what are the things that you're recommending that, that organisations do to, to start to make things more equitable?
1: Um there's a whole array of things that um, that leaders can do and um, what that would look like would arguably depend on what that business is trying to achieve and what their area of focus is. Is. Um, but some of the things that leaders can do, which that, you know, which businesses are doing are to sort of reach out to universities and, and inspire the next generation of female talent, for example, um, in particularly male dominated industries, link into apprenticeships as well. Think about the imaging. Think about the narrative that the business is, is articulating. Think about the language that they're using. Is it inclusive? Um, you know, can that be reviewed? to make it more inclusive, Um, think about who you attract for work experience, Um, you know, are you sort of going to the same places and and attracting the same type, the same people for work experience opportunities, can can that be expanded and and broadened, Um, so there are various ways in which businesses can reach out to future generations of talent.
0: It sounds like some of these things are around um, representation. So if I if I look at a company's website and all I see is um, a certain type of person then on, on a leadership team then I'm maybe less likely to apply for a role in that position.
1: Yeah, so there's a very famous saying you can't be what you can't see. So absolutely, um, that visual representation is really key. If you... Um, look at a company's website and you see people that reflect you on that website in their careers information even at senior leadership then you're much more likely to think that that's an organization that you could work in and be happy in and flourishing
0: is there anything we can do uh, for ourselves as women because we've talked about from the organizational perspective what a what we would like to see from organizations and how organizations can start to work on those things. But is there anything that we can be doing to to help?
1: I'm hesitating because I want to say be brave and I do mean that, but I'm also conscious that women get told an awful lot. Just be a bit more confident, you know, just be this, just you know, just be that to, you know, to to, to sort of fit in with the status quo. And so whilst I do think that women can Uh, challenge themselves to think of sectors that they might not ordinarily have thought of, for example, reach out to networks, reach out to people that you may may know to talk about certain careers um, and see if that would be a good fit fit for you. Um, Challenge yourself to think about different areas of work experience that you might want to do. Um, I also think the structural elements are so key Um, you know, it's not about fixing individuals. It's about fixing cultures and fixing organisations.
0: Yeah, thank you. I think as I was asking you that question and and you were speaking, the other thing I thought about is there's a um, a really great TED talk, um, which again I'll pop in the I'll pop in the comments um, about being a um, a mentor. So if you are at that position and being a sponsor for someone, so if you are at a position of leadership. Having a look around you and and seeing who else can you support, like who can you talk about, who can you um, uh, kind of shine a light on within the the organisation who might be someone that could um, rise up into a, a leadership position as well.
1: Absolutely. Mentorship and crucially sponsorship are key. Um, And it's, as you say, it's really important to have a look around the organisation and make sure that that that, that mentorship and sponsorship is fair and equitable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because lots of research, including my own, my PhD was on mentoring um, and mentoring women to support their career development. All the research will show you that. Women in particular often, not always, but often miss out on those informal networks that their male counterparts more readily have access to. So, again, I'm speaking very generally here. It's not necessarily always the case in every business and in every sector, but as a general pattern, particularly at those senior levels women have less access to those informal networks and so establishing mentoring relationships and sponsoring relationships are really key to women's career progression and growth Um, and it's it's important that that that's recognized and championed in organizations as one mechanism it's not going to solve it's not going to solve everything but one mechanism which can support women to navigate this labyrinth that we started talking about
0: yeah and i my first, when you talk about that, the question I've got then is, why? Cause of, so if you've done a PhD on it, I feel like you are you are an expert in the space to be able to ask everything about mentoring. Um, why are women missing out on those opportunities for that informal um, networking and, and mentoring?
1: Um, Because of because of a lot of the reasons that we've that we've talked about before, it's not one reason that women miss out. It might be, you know, entering a predominantly male dominated industry and um, and and feeling feeling. feeling an other within that organisation rather than sort of bringing your whole self and being able to do that, which I know you've touched on in previous podcasts. So it might be around that, Um, you know, less access to career development opportunities um, might be an issue in that respect. Um, Like tends to gravitate towards like. There's that social similarity theory. So if you're in a senior position, um, you tend to Often subconsciously, it's not necessarily a conscious thing. Just gravitate towards people like yourself, mm-hmm. to the potentially to the exclusion of other very talented people in the organisation that might really benefit from that informal mentoring. But establishing more formal programs um, can really counteract that.
0: And I think it's um, when we talk about mentoring, and I've I've worked with lots of organisations who have said, "Oh, I want to start a mentoring program." um but they're they they do not really understand what mentoring is so it isn't just a you need training to be a mentor right you need to mm-hmm. understand the process and and understand what that actually means versus just a oh Helen will you be my mentor and you're like yeah of course let's go and sit and yeah. have a coffee
1: yeah absolutely it requires resource investment and intent okay. um because, as you say, I mean, there's this there's, there's no harm in sort of having a coffee with someone and having a having a career chat. That's that's all great, but a quality mentoring program that's going to produce effective change requires a significant amount of thought, effort, investment. Um, because if you're going to do it, do it well. Yeah, yeah. You know, get that training in, from for mentees and mentors. You know, and then how do you? How do you translate the knowledge that you're developing within that mentoring relationship to people more senior so that they are able to hear, hear what needs to change in an organisation and create that change? Um, so really thinking through how a mentoring programme can support the individuals participating, but how it can also help to facilitate that organisational change and push that inclusive culture is where you really get some success stories.
0: Which then in turn helps with labyrinth careers, I guess.
1: Absolutely, yes, yeah.
0: Excellent. Um, so just as we, as we start to wrap up today, cause I could geek out about this all day with you. Um, <laughs> I, I guess my question is, what was the thing that when you started to research this, that surprised you the most about labyrinth careers?
1: Um, Well, as I said at the top, this concept of this metaphor of the labyrinth has been around for some time now. It's, you know, it's not new. Um, I think it's not surprising, but going back to your earlier earlier comments, it's something that's still very prevalent and we have, you know, other metaphors have come, you know, have come into play in, um, you know, in more recent times. Um, you know, this talk about squiggly careers, for example, which is a great way of looking at careers and career development. Um, and that's all really incredibly valuable and useful. Um, I think what's, I think what is, it, what not necessarily surprising, but is of, is of note is that this idea of the labyrinth, is still prevalent, and that um, the idea that we have cracked women's leadership development needs to be questioned. So, we still have a gender pay gap, for example. Um, and again, going back to the Fawcett Society, who do this incredible work, they talk about um, I don't know whether you've heard about this, but they talk about equal pay day. Um, so, every year they talk about the day of the year when, based on average pay, women start, overall stop earning compared to men so last year that fell on the 20th of november so from the 20th of november to the end of the year based on average pay women st- overall stopped earning compared to men oh, wow. now i i find that quite staggering
0: well yeah because it's what, five, um, five or so weeks of
1: yeah wow. and wow. although the gender pay gap is closing it's closing at a really 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 slow pace we have a massive pension deficit um, a woman, a female pensioner is on average £7,000 per annum poorer than her male equivalent. And so we're still seeing social and financial consequences of the the, the lack of support for women's career development overall. So that's not to say, like I said, because organisations do some pockets of doing some great work um, and hopefully that will continue but as a general trend we need to be pushing that envelope further and faster.
0: Mm. Is there um is there light at the end of the tunnel? Is there anything for us to to celebrate Yes. In this? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, th- I, I'm really positive about this. I'm, I'm really. I mean, it, honestly, it makes my heart sing to work with people who are passionate about this and really want to create and embrace change. And there's lots of people out there who are doing that. And I found my people. <laughs> there, 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 there are tribes of us out out there doing this great work. Um, and so, so yes, I think we need to view this positively and say that you know that there is a lot of great work has been done we can go further on this and, and let, let's work together to make that happen.
0: Um, I am going to go and watch the labyrinth, apparently, is my, uh, <laughs> my task for the rest of the I hope you day. enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Helen, thank you so much for coming and having a chat with me today. Um, I've definitely learned, uh, I've definitely had some bulb moments, so I appreciate it very much. Thank you great conversation with helen i think my light bulb moment today was i think it was if you can't see it you can't be it Um, so that's my big takeaway from today until next time toodles